Come on, are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, I am excited. You know, I always tell people the way I look and sound will not change you. But I know something that will change you. The word of God will change you. The word of God is mighty. It is powerful. And it's an absolute privilege to go into it today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you for the privilege to be in your presence and to open your word. Lord, how we pray that you will minister to us, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We want to be blessed by you. I pray that you meet us at the point of our need. And that God, you will be praised. You will be adored. We submit our life under the power of your spirit. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today, I believe the Lord wants to remind us of some things in scripture and encourage us. I'll be sharing this morning on the topic, treasures in clay vessels. Treasures in clay vessels. Please, would you turn to me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 to 7. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're not there, say wait for me. Are you there? Okay, so let's go. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. I read. It's for God who said... Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So yet Paul is speaking to the church in Corinthians and Paul says that the child of God is like a vessel. The translation used here is like a jar, a household container that has something precious in it. He says he has treasure. And Paul gives, tells us what that treasure is. He says that treasure is the knowledge of God, the, the message of salvation. But, but Colossians gives us an even clearer picture of what that treasure is. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 3, it says, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus. So in other words, that treasure is simply Christ. It's Jesus. It's his presence in our lives. When we come to the Lord, when we open our hearts to the Lord, to Jesus, the perfect gift of God He comes into our lives through the Holy Spirit and he brings in us the knowledge of God, of his love. He brings the divine nature of God into our lives. We now have the mind of Christ. We can think like him. We can walk like him. We can speak of him. So this treasure is Jesus dwelling in us and working in and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the choice of the type of vessel here is interesting. He says it is treasures in vessels of clay. Now, clay was very common in those days. It was found in almost every household. It was inexpensive. 
but it was also easily breakable. It will easily break. So, you, and it was not durable. So, it was definitely it wasn't adequate for keeping treasure. For example, if you have something, if you have wealth, if you have something precious, something that is expensive, and you want to secure that thing, you know, you look for a safe or a bank vault or something, but not clay that easily breaks. You look for something strong, something durable, something that will not be easily broken. But that's not the picture God paints of you and I. He says we are like clay, referring to our infirmities, our weaknesses, the weaknesses and struggles of our humanity. So it means while human beings, while human beings will naturally look for something strong, something perfect, something durable, to keep their wealth. God picks humanity. God picks you and I in our weaknesses and struggles to put in us the wealth of his knowledge, of his love, of his goodness. To come and dwell in us. Come on, how cool is that? How awesome is that? Now each time I think of it, I'm like, aren't you glad that our humanity did not deter him? Our humanity did not keep him away. Tell you, I'm so glad that he wasn't looking for a perfect safe, a perfect vessel. I know for sure he wouldn't have picked me. I wouldn't have made the cut. But praise God that he brings his perfection into our imperfection. He brings his strength into our weaknesses. He brings his divinity into our humanity. He brings his peace into our chaos. He brings his light into our darkness. If that is not love, I don't know what is love. No, even the psalmist could not understand it. He couldn't wrap his mind around it. You know, he wondered in Psalms 8 verse 5. He said, what is, what is the, the human being? What is mankind that you are mindful of them? That's what he was asking God. He says, what is man that you care for them? Like, I don't, why do you care for man? Why do you want to come and live in man? The only answer could be that he loves us. That is crazy about us. You know that saying, that, that saying, that, that saying when they say love is blind? I mean, that's it right there. Because there's no explanation to it. Oh, praise God that when there was nothing lovable about me, nothing lovable about us, when we were, I was in my sin and in despair and rejected, he loved me enough to come for me, to save me, to lift me up, to turn me around, to set my feet on the solid rock, and to make me a treasure chest for him. I want to encourage you wherever you find yourself. You may, be, you may be feeling unloved right now and rejected and in sin and despair. And it feels like nobody wants you. Jesus wants you. He loves you. He will come in. If you will give him a chance, he will come in. He will turn your life around. And he will fill you with, your, with his love. So Paul here is giving them a picture of grace. He's saying that there is something absolutely precious in them. But not because they deserve it. It's in spite of them. In fact, if you notice... This is not the first time and only time that he reminds them of who, of, of what or who is in them. He did it a, a, a several times. In, in, in the first letter in chapter 3 and in chapter 6 and in the second letter in chapter 6, he reminded them that don't you know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God 
lives in you. And in chapter 13 of the second letter, he said again, that don't you know that Jesus is in you? God wanted them to understand where their true value and worth came from. Because the church in, in Corinthians was going through like an identi- something like, like an identity crisis. They had begun to define themselves and, and, and their worth and value and their fulfillment based on what was happening outside, not what was inside. You see, their view of themselves and, and, and what they were worth and their value and their satisfaction and fulfillment was based on what they had and what they did. And so God was like, no, that's not where your true value comes from. It comes from what is within. And I think we should, we should talk about that a little bit, you know, because life will sometimes take us there. Especially in our world, you know, that is this social media world that is sight-driven, governed by what we see, by what is happening around us. You can get to a place where your, your view of yourself and your worth and, and your fulfillment and your satisfaction is determined by the things you have, by who you are in this world and, and what you have and what you do, even for the Lord. And so when, you, when things are going on well and, and you have some good feedback and, and some good results and then you are up here, you are joy, full of joy. When things are happening all okay around. And then when things are not okay, like sometimes they do, and when the feedback is not the way you want it, and, and, and you don't see the results that you want, and, and then you are down, and, and then your joy is taken away, and then insecurity is creeping, fear creeps in, the feeling of being a failure, of being worthless creeps in. See, and even right now as I'm talking to someone, you're absolutely under the weight of that. You're feeling insecure, and... and and depressed, and feeling like a failure, feeling like you're worthless because of the things that have been happening around you, and that that feeling is weighing on you even right now. But God is attacking that lie right now. He is telling you that your value, your worth, is not in the things happening in and around you. It is in the fact that you are loved, and you are inhabited by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has made his dwelling place in your life. Because remember, 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 the value of the clay is not in the clay itself. On its own clay is just mud. That's it. That's all it is. It has little or no value. The value of the clay is in what is in it. The treasure that is in it. So our worth, our value doesn't come from the things that happen in and around us. It doesn't come from the feedback that we get from this world. Because let's face it, sometimes the feedback is not okay. It's not right. You know, there was this uh, kid's storybook. I don't know if I have the, the name correctly. You know, and there's this, it's called uh, Snow White and uh, what is it, Seven Dwarfs. And there's this villain, the lady, she's a mean lady. And each time she looks at the mirror and she says, mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest? And almost every time in that story, at least in the beginning, the, the mirror tells her, you are the fairest. You are the best. Oh, that's a fairy tale. Life doesn't always give that kind of feedback. <laughs> Sometimes the feedback is you're not fair. It's not okay. It's not all right. Things are not okay. It's not good. Sometimes the feedback is, the report is not good. And so if you define yourself by that, by the feedback and all what is happening in the world, we are in trouble. 
But praise God that we are not defined by that. We are defined by the love and the presence of Jesus in our lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, when you understand that, oh, it changes your life. You see, Paul put it rightly in, 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 in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He said, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Not what we do, not what we have, not even the things we do for the Lord. No. He said, it is Christ in us. The hope of glory. The reason why we, the value we have, the worth we have, the reason why we are excited, hopeful for tomorrow, is not in the things happening out, it's not even in the systems around us. It is because of the presence and the promises of Jesus in our lives. That's why we are excited for tomorrow. When you understand the treasure within, it changes the way you view yourself. It even changes the way you view others. Wouldn't it be great, church, if we all saw the treasure in each other? I tell you things would be different if we saw that treasure, if that's what we looked at. The treasure in each other. See, the problem is that it's easier to see the mud. It's easier to see the clay. Easier to see the dirt. Because that's what pops up first. But if you will get past the dirt, get past the clay, get past all of what is seen, and see the love of God for that person and in that person. Oh, I tell you, we'll forgive a little bit more. We'll connect a little bit more. We'll love a little bit more. Because we'll know that if Jesus loved you enough to come for you. If he loved you enough to come for you and to dwell in you, then I can love you. Hallelujah. Then I can see, I can love and appreciate you. Not because you're perfect. Nobody is. Nobody is. But because I see in you the glory and the love of the living God. Tell you somebody needs to hear it today. I want to tell you right now. Oh, you are precious. Hallelujah. I see the love of God in you. I see the treasure of God in your life. I see the goodness of God in your life. So quickly, let's look at three applications in this text that will help us. Three things we can learn from this. The first thing is that the clay is real. That's the first point. The clay is real. Our human limit, that talks about the reality of our human limitations. See, when we come to the Lord, our spirit is saved, totally transformed, renewed, different. Our soul is being transformed. Our mind is being renewed as we read the word of God. Our bodies will be ultimately transformed when we meet Jesus in heaven. But until then, in the space between the pains of our flesh, the weaknesses, the struggles, the hurts, and the challenges, and the broken bones, and the issues are still a reality. The pain is still there, and the, the, the heartbreaks are still there, until our flesh is ultimately renewed and transformed in immortality. And so it's real. And so what that means is we can be real about the pains. We can be open about the limitations. We can be open about the struggles. We don't have to behave like we're some perfect gold vessel. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says we're clay. We don't have to behave as though everything is okay. We can be open. We can be vulnerable. We can say, Lord, 
It, it is beyond me. I can't handle this thing like David prayed in Psalms 120. He said, Lord, I, I, I was, I'm so anxious. It's beyond me. Help me, Lord. We can be open about the struggles and the difficulties in our lives. We can, recon, we can recognize our limitations. Very important. You know, when Jesus wept for Jerusalem in, in, in Luke 19, and he wept because they missed the visitation of God. One of the reasons that happened was because they felt they didn't need him. They felt they were okay without him. They felt their systems, their laws, their setup, they could do it without him. And so they missed the visitation of God. It's important because every generation that does not recognize its limitations will miss God. Our experience of God is connected to our recognizing our limits, our limitations, and calling on Him. Because remember, and I don't mean this in a bad way, at our best, at our utmost best, when you do it so well, and in your business, in your finances, in your career, in your ministry, when you are getting all the reports and the results you want, at our best, we are still clear. And without him, nothing can come out that meets heaven's standards. We are still clear. And so that means that we are desperate for him. Without him, nothing good can come out. Doesn't matter what you see, without Jesus, this is useless. And so we are totally dependent on him. On his word, on his presence, on his touch, on his spirit. We are quick to run to the altars, to run to his house, to run to his word. Because we need him to do a work in us. So anything good can come out of our lives. We become desperate for him like the psalmist in Psalms 42. That as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs for you. Nothing will keep us away from him. You know, I was driving with my kids one day and we had a, a real life experience. We saw this, this, this deer Go past the car so fast. Like for real. And my kids were like, wow. The deer was not even afraid of the car. And I used it to, I used that as an opportunity to tell them about that psalm. I told them, he's maybe looking for water. <laughs> I told them that when the deer wants water, nothing is, I mean, that's true. When the deer wants water, nothing can keep the deer. If you stand in its path, you're going to be hurt. Nothing can keep the deer from going to the water. Because it knows that without the water, it cannot live. Without the water, it cannot stand. That's how desperate we ought to be for the Lord, for His presence, for His house, for His word. Because we know without His working in our life, nothing good comes forth. And so we run to Him, we seek Him, we go after Him. See, we're in the, uh, we, we recognize our limitations, but our limitations don't, 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 don't keep us away from Him. It doesn't, we don't stay in our limitations, no. It becomes an opportunity for Him to be glorified. For Him to do a work in us, for Him to change us, for Him to release His glory in our lives. Because as real as the clay is and the limitations are, so is the divine nature in us. And that's the second point. The clay is real, but the, the, the treasure in us is real. And that talks about the reality of his divine nature. 
and the divine possibilities in him, as real as our human limitations are, so also is his divine power that is working in us. Now, this is the catch. Don't get, we, don't let, uh, we cannot let ourselves get, uh, get, we cannot let our awareness of our human limitations keep us from seeing the reality of his divinity and the possibilities in him. We can let, again, we can let the reality, our awareness of our limitations keep us from seeing the possibilities of his divine nature in and around us. It means I will recognize my limitations, but I will believe in the power of his divine nature, in the possibilities in him. Because he's not limited. No, he's not limited by what limits us. He's not limited by the things that limit us. He can do. He's still the God that does in the above and beyond. He's not limited even by our flesh. He can do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. You know, Peter, he couldn't see. He could hardly speak. He ran away from that, 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 that little uh, servant girl. When she asked him, he couldn't even answer. That's how gripped he was. That's how fear had taken hold of him. And there's somebody like that, you're under the sound of my voice. You, that, that, that fear has taken hold of you. He says, but when the Spirit of God came into his life, when the divine nature of God entered him, no Pharisee, no Jewish authority could stop him. The power of God was upon his life. And he could do even what he couldn't do in his human abilities. That's the God we serve. That's the reality of, his, of the possibilities in him. Because not, not, not this, though we are still in the flesh. Though we are still in the flesh, we have become in Christ. We have become partakers of the divine. No making this up. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Through these. He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Through them, regardless of who we are, where we are, and the situation where we are, for instance, we can take part. We have a part in his divine nature. And, and Paul put it well in, in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, I, I, I can glory in my weaknesses. I can admit my weaknesses because when I am weak, then he is strong. It means even though I'm weak in this area, I can take hold of his strength. Even when I lack peace, I can take hold of his peace. Even when I'm depressed and there's no outlook for tomorrow, I can take hold of his promises for my life. When I'm surrounded with darkness, I can take hold of his life. Church, we can partake of him. We can take hold of his promises. It means he doesn't, we don't have to be all right. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to be good at taking hold of what he has made available. What he has purpose for our lives. So we can walk in it. It means I don't deny my limitations, but I trust in the fullness of his provision for my life. I trust that he, he can and he is enough. You know, the world saw its limitations. You know, this February is uh, three years since the lockdown. This February, three years since that time. And oh, and everything that it brought, the fears, the hurts, the pains, the depression, the anxiety, 
The reports are out that people have been seriously affected. The mental health of many have been seriously affected by all of that. And it was difficult for the whole world. The world came face to face. The systems of the world saw, came face to face with the limitations of man. And it was not easy for everyone, for the church. And even right now, we're still surrounded all around by pressure. And, and the outlook is not the best. But I tell you, we are in the best place. We are in the right place. We are just where we ought to be. With our limitations and the challenges all around us. Because if we will lean on God's possibilities. And the power of the divine available for us. I tell you, we will see the greatest move of God. We will see the glory of God in and through our lives like never before. When we lean on him, I challenge you, lean on him. I want to encourage you right now, right where you are, just lean on him a little bit more. Lean on him for that household, for that hurt, that, that broken heart, that situation, for that son. Lean on him. Because it looks dark, it looks, it looks impossible, but it has not changed his power and his glory any one bit. He is still alive and willing and ready for people that will lean on him. Well, I'm so glad he, he wasn't looking for a perfect church. <laughs> Bible says Elijah was a man of like passion. What that means is that he had the same issues. He had the same limitations. His but he prayed. He called on God. God is looking for people that will acknowledge their weaknesses but say, Lord, you can do something. You can intervene in our lives and he will show up. You see, the, the clay is real, but so is the treasure. And the last thing is, you know, but the clay needs a potter. There is the need for a potter. See, clay needs a potter. Any, for, for anything, it takes the potter to bring out the beauty from clay. No matter what is in clay, in the clay, it, it, it takes a potter to bring it out, the beauty in the pot. That talks about the leadership of God. It talks about the work of the Lord. Look at what Isaiah 64 verse 8 says. It says, yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. See, it's God the Father that brings out the best in us. That works in us as he, as he works in our lives and molds us and, and makes us what he wants us to be. That's how the beauty and the purposes and the plans come to pass in our life. You know, I was reading this article about these big banks and these big financial institutions. Where they keep their wealth and the money and their, it's in these strong bank vaults. You can't break into that thing. You can't change it. You cannot there is nothing, you cannot physically move it. Those big, expensive bank vaults. But there's a reason why God did not say that we were that vault. He said we are clay. Because clay can be molded. You see, you can shape clay. You can tweak it the way you want it to happen. You can turn it around. You can, the potter can do whatever he wants with the clay. To make it what he has purposed for it. That's the reason why we are clay. We are not the bank vault. We are not the heart, unbreakable, untouchable. That will not change. No, that talks about our ability to yield to him. To submit to his corrections. To submit to his word. 
to be made like him, even when it doesn't fit what we want, even when it doesn't, it doesn't ride well with us. But we are humble. We are submitted. We are willing to, to let him do his work in our lives. We are willing to be corrected. That's who we are. We're not the bank vault. We are open for him to change us, to make us what he wants us to be. Let me read to you the public commentary for that verse. What it says, it says, man can never be more than a vessel of clay. God will only use vessels of clay. It means if he cannot mold you, he can't use you. He can walk in and through you. And so we must be careful that we do not become the hardened bank vault. That we do not become the vessel that cannot be moved, cannot be transformed, cannot be corrected, cannot be shaped in any way that the master wants. But that we are humble, we are willing to let him work in us. To take out what he wants to take out, to put in what he wants to put in, so that he can make us the, the, the picture that he has purposed for us, so we can be all what he has planned. So we, we are willing to yield to his work in and through us. Tell you the part I specialized in making, in bringing the beauty out of the clay, no matter how broken the clay is. You know, Isaiah saw this firsthand in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah saw this, sorry, Jeremiah saw this firsthand in Jeremiah 18, verse 4. He says, So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled and in, in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. See, the speciality of our God, of this mighty, great potter, is that he is able to take things that are broken. Things that don't look good. Things that are totally, totally rejected and, and marred. And to rework it. To bring out the beauty in it. To make it a new vessel. Oh, our world has been marred. And, and, and in our lives we have been marred. There are situations and struggles that are totally hurtful. And we, we have come face to face, many of us, with our limitations and our issues and the struggles in our lives. And it is broken. There are areas that are broken. But I tell you, the potter is still alive. Amen. Praise God. The potter is still alive. And he is willing to take that broken issue, that broken situation, and to rework it, and to work in it, and to bring out the beauty in it. I tell you, you know, I see in my heart, I feel it so strong, and somebody shared it this morning. Oh, I see the hand of the potter right now, upon our world, upon our hearts. The potter is saying, I'm ready to do another work again. I'm ready to take the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, and the struggles. I'm ready to take it and to rework it. And to do a work in it. And to bring out something amazing. Something beautiful out of it. So that the world will see that there is a God again. So the world will be able to praise God again. He's saying, don't, don't, he says, come. Don't be afraid. Come with the brokenness. Come with the issues. It's okay that we found that we are not enough. It's all right. It's okay that we found ourselves wanting in, in certain areas of our lives. It's okay. Because the potter's hand is there. We can go to him just as we are. And he can begin to work in us. 
He can mold us and he can bring up the beauty in our lives. That's why he didn't search for a perfect church. He was looking for a church that was willing to come just as they are. To run to his altar, to his house and say, Lord, in this very area I am broken. I am, I am not enough, but I know you can work in me. I know you can mold me. I know you can bring out your glory in my life. And when he found that, oh, his glory came down. Oh, the world could not recognize these people. He said these were broken men, men that had nothing. Their, their, their lives were nothing that, that, looked like the, the glo- that looked like they could do anything for the Lord. They said these men were just fishermen. They had nothing impressive above them, but they had met the potter. They had experienced the potter. And he had begun shaping their lives. And he filled them with the power of the Holy Ghost. And he brought out a glory and a beauty that the world could not resist. He is still doing it in our days, people. He is still taking vessels of clay, broken people, and turning them around, and filling them with His Spirit, and bringing out His glory, right where we were broken and defeated. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. Father, we thank you. Come on, let's bow our heads. I didn't want to be long today. Oh, let's begin to talk to the Lord. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, you are God. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, praise God. That the clay was insignificant. It was weak. Oh, but it was filled. It was filled with the the presence of God. Doesn't matter where you find yourself. Doesn't matter what is going on right now. Oh, God is saying, I am just as ready today. I'm just as willing today to do a work in your life and to bring forth my glory and to use you in that very place of pain and hurt and struggle and release my glory through there and glorify my name through it and release a praise for my name. It says you don't need to wait. You can come. You can come just as you are. The potter's hands are ready right now for our lives for you. Come on, begin to talk to God. Father, we give you glory. We thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Oh.